0: Please visit jakehasnetwork.org.
1: Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby and Today we are studying Masechet Yevamot, Daf Tet Vav, page one hundred and fifteen. Our Daf today looks at the question of a woman's testimony regarding her husband's death. The Mishnah on yesterday's Daf, which opened chapter fifteen, began as such. Ha'isha shalcha hi lamidinat ha'yam, a woman who has gone with her husband overseas. Shalom beino leveina v'shalom ba'olam, and there is peace between them and peace in the world. Uva'a ve'amra meet ba'ali, and she comes and she says, My husband has died, ti nase. she may remarry. Her testimony is believed. Met baali titya ben, or if she has no children and her husband has a brother, she can fulfill ibum. Remember that according to the Torah, in general, every testimony requires two witnesses, including those on marriage and divorce, and the witnesses generally must be male. Here we have one of the few exceptions. The rabbis established that in the case of a man's death, they would accept only one witness, and that it would accept testimony from a woman, since in many cases it might be too difficult to have two witnesses who've seen the husband's death. According to Rashi back on 87b and in other places, this was done to allow women to remarry, Because without the two witnesses, if we were to expect two male witnesses, a woman might never be able to remarry. If a woman says that her husband has given her a get, she is not believed. Because there's actually no way of disproving her if she is lying. Even if her husband shows up and says he did not give her a get, she could still claim that he gave her one. But if a woman claims that she is widowed, she is less likely to lie. She knows that it would be very simple to be proven a liar. If her husband shows up and is alive, she's in trouble. If it is known that the couple was not fighting, and there is... No war happening. She is believed. On the other hand, Shalom no levena, if there's peace between the husband and wife, but there is milchama ba'olam, or ktata nehem, there is argument between them and peace in the world. Uvata amra mate ba'ali, and she comes and she says, my husband has died. Eina ne'emene, according to the Mishnah, she is not believed. Now, in our daf 115, the rabbis try to understand why a woman might not be believed if there is a war going on in the world. On the very first line of Amud Aleph, Now, let's say the Beit Din did not know that there was a war going on overseas. If the woman wanted to, she could simply avoid this fact and say that there was peace and that her husband is dead no war, so that she could be sure that she would be believed and that she would be permitted to remarry. If being at war is a case that would prevent her from being believed, then she could certainly lie. This would be a case of Migo, since it would be to her benefit not to say there is a war going on. The fact that she does say it proves that she is telling the truth. She is actually adding information that hurts her case. But what if, as the first line continues, the Beit Deen already knows about the war? O Dilma, Kevan de Ichzika, Amra bididame. Perhaps it's the fact that the war is known and it is already established. She is saying her husband died bididame, based on what is dame, what appears to her to be the case. A woman might base her testimony on what seems to her to be legitimate, that her husband must have gotten caught up in the war. ate, mali umira there is no issue here of migo. There is literally no issue of mali l'shaqer, why should I lie, which might weaken her argument. So in this case, the rabbis are actually not looking to prove the woman's honesty that's not their concern. The concern is that she may be giving her testimony in good faith, telling the truth, but that she is simply wrong, that the war has made her think that her husband is dead before he actually is. Since she thinks she's telling the truth and she's not attempting to lie, the logic of the Migo does not support her claim. The Kolel Iyun hadaf is helpful to me in explaining one of the key questions here, which is answered by the Tosafote on the previous page. The question is, why would the Gemara ask in the first place that she should be believed because of Migo? There's obviously no concern that she is lying. The Tosafote explain that the Migo, the fact that she adds in additional information, for example, like the fact that there's a war going on when the Beit Din doesn't know it, it actually does help the woman's case because it proves that she's been careful to verify the facts of her testimony, even though it was a time of war. She could have come to the Beit Dean and said, my husband died without adding, without adding any details. However, because she added specific details to her testimony, which the Beit Dean did not ask for and that the Beit Dean did not predict that there was a war, that her husband died from the war she is potentially believed, because the Beit Din could assume that she's been so careful about her testimony and didn't add anything that wasn't 100% true. So the question of the Gemara here then is, does this woman's addition of the facts in her testimony prove that she is telling the truth? Is the addition of facts kind of like Amigo, even though we know that she has no reason to lie, But like Amigo, the fact that she's adding extra facts might mean that she's been so careful to tell the details and to find out if her husband was alive. So in contrast, the Gemara goes on when it is already known that there's a war going on and the woman says merely that my husband has died. She doesn't have that same Amigo because she could have said that he died upon his bed or that he died and she buried him, two ways she would know that there was, or the bait Dean would know that there was no way the husband was ever going to come back and disprove it if she says she had buried him. The Bate Dean knows she's not trying to lie, but Amigo would only help someone who has reason to lie. The Bate Dean, therefore, has to suspect that she is testifying bid meaning based on her best guess, based on conjecture, and therefore the Beit Din would not accept her testimony if there were a war going on. Over the course of our daf, the Gemara brings a number of different scenarios where a woman might or might not be believed about the testimony that her husband has died. In each case, the issue is to try to avoid a situation where a woman might accidentally remarry while her husband is still alive. The individual testimony is accepted, but only in certain cases where it is 100% clear that she is giving her best bet that her husband will not return, that her husband is in fact dead. It is fascinating to me that the concern about testimony here is to simply ascertain that the woman's testimony is valid, but the fact that a woman may testify in the first place is actually a given in this entire sugya when it comes to testifying about her husband's death. This understanding that there are places, there are moments where a woman may testify becomes the basis for women to be counted as full a a dot today, full witnesses, Today, most of the testimonies that Jews bring are actually for the secular courts, and the idea of a adut in a religious sense is mostly used for purposes of marriages, conversions, and divorces. And we know that in the secular court, women's testimony is, of course, valid. In October of 2001, the conservative movement's Committee on Jewish Law and Standards voted that women's testimony should be accepted in all areas of religious life as well. Today, the testimony of women should be considered exactly as the testimony of men. Our daf then becomes an interesting backstory on how and when testimony is to be believed and accepted. Those in the justice system today might look to these cases as educative, if not as halachically binding around the very many different reasons that witnesses might be suspect. There is the MIGO argument, a sense of why would this witness lie, as well as the Didami argument that the witness might be telling the truth but is simply basing her testimony on what seems to be the case. Both of these arguments could be brought forth for a man or a woman who is testifying today. I wonder what the Chachamim would have thought of the way witnesses are processed in the modern courtroom. But these legal ideas that may be used today go back as far as Mishnaic times. I love knowing that about the Mishnah and the rabbis in general, that they were able to predict so many of the legal discussions that could happen today in a courtroom. Until tomorrow.
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.